Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and I don't suck, and neither does the Pipples podcast, but anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Let's go, Rider Nation. I'm ready. I'm ready. This is the Piffles Podcast, back with its bells and whistles this week, your Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. My name is Alex. I'm Steve. And I'm drinking out of a giant football. That thing is massive. How many Churchills do you have in there? Um, Well, like I was telling you before in pre-production, I put it in one. I'm like, that does not enough. Then I put it in two. And I'm like, that still doesn't look like enough. So I put it in three. And I got enough just to take a picture, but it's still not full. So it's, and it's starting to night. run a little empty. This might it be is, a, actually. This might be a very interesting episode for, for Greg. Hey, <laughs> tune in in about I, 30 minutes. Let's see what happens. Hey, I just it's one of my uh souvenirs from Vegas. So but I got I gotta admit, Vegas, awesome sports town now. Like Vegas never was a sports town, but with between the Knights whoa, whoa, and the whoa, Raiders. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, hey, in nineteen ninety-four. They had it, okay, with the posse. That they were a sports town in '94. Well, that's what I mean. Like, it's amazing. Like the amount of people are still talking about the CFL is walking around the casino. There's a group of guys talking about about all the posse they were going to see in Vegas. I'm clearly talking about the CFL, which is what we're here to do. <laughs> the look on Steve's face. Yes, he hates this so much. <laughs> that hurt. That that hurt, Greg. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter at Pivels Pod. You can give me a follow at Real Alex D. You can follow me at Safamod. And as always, I still do not need nor want your pity follows at Greg on Sports. Check us follow out. Follow me for the- all the posse jokes. <laughs> Check us out on the website, Piffles Podcast, PifflesPodcast.com. Lots of great stuff going up there every single day of the CFL season. Piffles Podcast, of course, is brought to you by. Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. We finally made it. The CFL season is here. It's time for the opening kickoff. And you cowards. You cowards. We, we uh, I thought about it. I really did. I, I completely forgot when we recorded last week to do it in live. And I'm sorry. I, I, I sorry. did it a cappella. When I didn't have to, and you guys had to and didn't do it. For shame. What do you want from us here, Greg? You should be used to us disappointing you, Greg. That's that's Steve. At, at least I made sure your pity follows comment got into the recording. Yeah, stealing my shtick. <laughs> if this is anyone but Big E, you're stealing my shtick. Uh, so we'll dive into the uh, regular season here in a little bit, but we do want to go back here uh, to the Riders-Bombers preseason game from last week. I know the, se- the season has started. It's underway. BC was kicking the crap out of Calgary. We're going to get to that as well, too. <laughs> uh, unless you're watching it on CFL.ca, when it, which is apparently Calgary's beating BC, which was not a thing, but okay. Um, Riders beat the Bombers 28-16 in Winnipeg for the preseason finale. Um it was the first two and preseason the Riders have had since 2007. A magical very magical season of 2007. Season. Yes. So all the parallels are there. Um, the Riders are winning the Grey Cup. We know how it's going to happen. So there. So we're going to have Trevor it. Harris for one year. Hey, if it brings you Grey Cup, who cares? I mean, sign me up for that 100%. Enjoy that, retirement, Trevor Harris. Thanks for the first, Grey Cup. That first drive he had against uh, the only drive he had against Winnipeg. Four for four, throwing a touchdown, looking in sync with Darrell Walker, and that's what we're looking for in the regular season here. Uh, when he got pulled, Mason Fine was the next guy in, and I was like, oh, I wish you know, Harris would have got another drive. And then I thought about it. I'm like, no, no, he's good. He's good to go. That's why they brought him in, is is to just be ready to go. And, and sure enough, it sure looks like it to me for Trevor Harris. That's legit all I saw. That drive, and then they called to load our plane, leaving Vegas, so. Um, yeah, I, I, it was great. That's, that's all I, you know, all I saw was great. So after that, uh, I didn't see anything else. 
you know, in, in recording last week, I said I wanted to see a half from Trevor Harris. I wanted to see him, you know, build up to something and, and get some consistency. And then he comes out of the gate and does what he did. Yeah, one drive is good. There's no sense risking injury. He showed he's got some, uh, he's still got it, and the, the team's ready to go. Sit him down, let the backups duke it out. But that's also why I'm glad Jarrell Walker came here. We wanted something with that instant chemistry. And you know him and uh, with Walker and Harris and um, Harris and Wineke, you're going to have guys he's used to playing with. There's still going to be some growing pains when KSB gets to full speed and all of our other receivers. So I'm, I'm happy that worked. Yeah. I think they're going to have to lean heavily on Darrell Walker and Jake Wineke to start the season. Um, The good news about the quarterbacks last week in the preseason was that they made it super, super tough on the coaches Mason Fine, 9 of 13 with a touchdown. Jake Dolagala, 5 of 6, had a touchdown drive as well. Um, And they both made the active roster, which surprised, I think, a lot of people. Uh, But it kind of forced the the coach's hand. Like They all played so well in both preseason games that they had to keep them around. So I imagine when we get the depth chart on uh, Saturday uh, for this game, Jake Dolagala is probably going to have some sort of paper cut cut. or illness injury something to go on the at least one game list probably the six game list is my guess uh mason fine was actually taking all the number two reps in practice the first couple days practice this week so it looks like mason fine did win the backup job how long that lasts we don't know um but it sure looks good that they have guys performing really really well and that was they needed that in the preseason one play into Mason Fine's preseason that he was going to win the backup role after the way Dalagala and Patterson played, I'd have called you a moron. There's no way. He instantly comes in, throws a pick six, and we all go, decision made. But he just, he kept pushing. I like this. I love this decision. And I love that they kept all four guys and didn't let somebody else pick one of those guys off the off the practice roster or, you know, release anybody. It's, that's a great move. And like, it's nice to seeing that it looks like we have some special stuff in the mix for a guy whose skills w- like Shea Patterson, like the, the Patterson package as everyone's calling it is uh, sh- Steve shaking his head. She, yeah. She he knows where because I know exactly where the hell this is going and I'm logging oh, out right away here. Oh it's yes. Revolution. Yeah. It's revolution. The Chris Strebler package. Uh, the riders have their own Chris Strebler. Um, Patapod, Patapod. Except Patterson has shown he can throw the ball. But Sorry. how does he look Still. in a fur coat without a shirt on? Yeah, and you know what? I hope we win a great cup and find out. <laughs> Sa- Safferson, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying to come up. It doesn't work like Strevamon did. No, no. We'll figure it out. We got lots of time to work on that. Uh, Shea Patterson. Look good as well. It was all four quarterbacks, so I mean, they needed to find it, and they did this uh, this preseason. The off- offensive line again was fantastic in that uh, second game against Winnipeg. Only gave up one sack uh, in that game, one in the entire preseason. That was at the end of the game, with a couple minutes left in the fourth. So, and that's with a bunch of backups, guys that didn't make the team. So, to me, that's just good until. We found out a little bit more about the offensive line when practice starts. We're going to get to that in a little bit. Um, Deontay Williams stood out to me. Cody Roscoe did as well, too. There was a play on that uh, um, on the, the rushing quarterback for BC. Or sorry, for, for Winnipeg. I forget his name. Uh, but he had a really good, yeah, uh, had a really good contain on him and um, stopped him short of... Uh, of the goal line. I think it was up at the five yard line, but he made a couple plays. Both those guys made the practice roster. Um, but we don't want to dwell too much on that uh, preseason game because it's over. It's done with um, the easiest part of any coach's job. The cuts came nothing really surprising, um, but a couple notes. Keenan LaFrance uh, was kind of the biggest name that was, that was released there. A lot of people surprised by that. Were you guys surprised by that? Not, not as really not as much on LaFrance. I, I I love the guy and everything he's done for this team. Special teams monster. Played as great as a blocking running back, but 
you can go younger and cheaper in that position. You're going to do it every time. And and it's that simple. And he, and he wasn't out for work long. He, he already signed in BC. So he, he's got he's got the skills, but obviously the riders were going in a different direction. Yeah, no part of me was shocked to see him get uh, get moved on. He he's one of those guys that's that's stuck around longer than he expected, given given his career hasn't been as stellar as the the one game he had in Ottawa would have expected him to have had. But he's been great on special teams, like Greg said, and, you know, he did his job while he was here. But I, I'm not shocked to see him on the release list. And like, like I said on Twitter, like I wasn't taking a shot at the guy, but he made his name on that one game. Everyone thought he was the next Andrew Harris. And that's why he was a marquee signing for the Riders that year. And it just never happened. And which is fine because he was a very good football player, but not what people thought he was going to turn into. No, good backup in a pinch if you need it. If your starter goes down and you don't have another uh, running back on the roster, plays special teams, plays them very well. Uh, but the Riders also drafted Thomas Bertrand Houdon uh, this year in the draft, who made the team. Uh, what was that? That was their third round pick, I think, um, or fourth round. Um, and if you're just going to be a special teams guy and pretty much that's all the team views you as, you might as well go with the younger guy and save any kind of cash that you possibly can. Um, the other name that kind of uh, stood out a little bit was Stefan Banks. He was one of the uh, defensive ends, the one of the bigger signings by Jeremy O'Day in, in the first day of free agency. Uh, at least to me, he was, I thought he was going to have a, you know, a breakout opportunity here. Um, but he was invisible in the preseason. I don't even know if he played like that's you just didn't do anything. And if you're not going to do anything with some of these guys that are lining up beside you and with what was, was, you know, some of these young guys were, were showing that's the breaks, I guess. Yeah, no banks. Everyone had high hopes for him and it looked like a solid signing. Like he, he was one of those guys you thought he was going to take the next step this year. But when you got a guy like Lanier coming in leaner this year, and you can move him to the outside and you got Micah Johnson in the middle and guys like Christmas and Brown, you don't need a four man rotation through the middle, move Lanier outside, put Robertson on the other side and Holy hell, our defensive line is really, really good. Well, and looking at what the Riders kept there with the Nicholas Daly made the active roster, Lake Cote, Corte Moore, uh, Miles Brown, Brian Cox Jr. Also showed well, uh, they have nine guys on the defensive line, making the active roster. I'm sure there'll still be some jumbling around there with injured lists and whatnot, but it really just goes to show that it is going to be a rotation and they just, it was a numbers game. There wasn't enough room for Stefan Banks. So I like that they just cut bait with him instead of trying to force him in there just because they signed him. Uh, usually you see that with, with CFL executives is that they'll, or NFL executives do it as well too. If that's their guy, they bring him in. We're going to make it work no matter what. Even if he gets outperformed by younger guys, they're going to try and make that one guy work, and it just doesn't work. You might as well go younger or with the better guys in this case. So good on Jeremy O'Day and the and the coaching staff to do that. I'm more impressed with Jeremy O'Day that we have four draft picks this year that made the team. That is very good scouting. That's very good drafting. You barely ever see that. Yeah, first four picks that they had in the draft all made the team. Um, two of them going back to school, and of course, two of the other guys were NFL flyers, basically, who will probably never come to the CFL, but you have their rights. So if you're getting four guys out of the draft onto your active roster to start a season, that's a pretty good draft for me. Four guys ready to play. That is unheard of. <laughs> you're talking about, what, 20% of your required Canadians? as draft picks that's a that's a pretty good go we've been we've been really hard on O'Day and uh, and the scouting team over the last few years but they so far you know obviously preseason is a different beast and we'll see how they do with the lights on but you can't argue with what they've done so far Uh, and to make the team that's a success and it, it goes to show with the uh what they've actually done the last couple of years and even going back a couple of years with their uh, Canadian draft picks as they put a I thought it was a weird focus on receivers but looking at what happened 
it was a good thing that they did a couple of years ago, uh, especially with starting a couple Canadian receivers right away. They have the depth there and they have it in the defensive backfield. They've done a really good job at the draft lately. So um, kudos to J.O. and the rest of the guys there. Uh, so just to fin finish off the preseason, I actually had an article out on my Tuesday takes that the Riders had a perfect preseason. This was before I found out that Philip Blake was hurt um, and he may not be going for a while. But a lot of the boxes that the Riders had going into this preseason, I thought got checked off. One, were they going to upgrade a quarterback? Well, yeah, Harris against Fajardo, that's an obvious upgrade. The offensive line. In both games, the offensive line was excellent in the preseason. And they found some young guys. And, I mean, plan A at left tackle isn't working with uh, Gerald Hawkins uh, going back home. Didn't have any preseason reps at all. Philip Blake, plan B. Okay, well, I mean, that's a pretty good plan B, if you ask me. But with uh, his pectoral strain is what they're calling it right now. Um, who knows how long he's going to be there. But if they have... Um, Colin Kelly in the wings, who's going to be good to go for week three after his two-game suspension. Um, you just have to survive a couple weeks with, who are you going to put out there, Eric Lofton and Brandon Council at your tackles. Um, you go with those guys. If they can just be good enough for a couple weeks until Colin Kelly is good to go, then they check that box as well, too, for finding tackles, which is what this team needed to do. So I think for the major questions that the riders had going into the season that they answered every single one of them do you guys agree with that i mean yeah. in all honesty if we're looking at from this specifically from the tackle position literal pylons would have been a better choice than anything that they rolled out last year i mean that o-line was porous would be an upgrade but I think that they absolutely have improved at that position. We look at the, the preseason. They gave up one sack. There didn't look like there was a ton of pressure on anybody that was behind center both games. You know, it sucks to see the potential in Philip Blake being out who knows how long. Hopefully not long, but it's, it's a concern right now. But there's depth behind him, and we didn't have that at all. We didn't have depth on the starting line last year, let alone behind the guys there. So it's, it's less of a concern. And I absolutely think that they did check those boxes there. Know what I'm really surprised about now that I think about it, I haven't writer fans are loyal, almost fiercely loyal to the fact that's insane. No one's brought up Dan Clark at all. That tells you how well this defensive uh, offensive line is done. No one has brought up why isn't Dan Clark on this team. That is weird for the Ryder fans. You know, I didn't think about that until just now with uh, Evan Johnson probably getting a starting guard position here, um, at least with Philip Blake's injury. If he can't hack it like he did, didn't last year, I wonder if that phone call does go out to Dan Clark. Hey, do you want to come play guard? It's because it wouldn't don't be think the Zach worst. Fry is ready to go, or or Logan Bandy is the answer, and they'd rather have Bandy as the sixth man. Um, maybe they do make that phone call to Dan Clark. I think they phoned Noah Zer before they called Dan Clark, but who knows? I think that call becomes more likely if Philip Blake's uh, injury is more than just a strain. I think at that point they may have to look at some depth with. You know, with Johnson and Furland as your as your starters, that's that's a scary proposition. I think there's a, a high chance either Zer or Dan Clark gets that call fairly quick just to get somebody in. Uh, one more thing here on the opening kickoff, and I didn't write this down for you guys. I have it posted. Special kudos and congratulations go out to uh, Rob Banstone, senior journalist for the Riders and their team historian got his Queen's Platinum Jubilee Medal for Extraordinary Leadership and Service to Local Sports uh, the other day. He wasn't able to make it to the uh, actual ceremony because they did that when the Riders were practicing, uh, but he was able to get the medal after uh, from Trent Weatherspoon uh, delivering it to him at Mosaic Stadium. So, Rob, congratulations on that. There's no one more loyal to local sports in Regina than Rob Banstone. 
Um, so if there's anybody that deserves it, it absolutely is him. I said several times on this podcast, I can't say enough nice things about Rob Vanstone. Uh, the dude's a uh, king among kings, the voice of the riders, the best booster juice delivery driver I've ever had. The man is awesome. I, I'm glad I can pull up my phone and text the man. He's he didn't need to do he need, didn't need to reach out to me and give me a personal number, but I'm glad I can do that. He's a, he's a great guy. Well, absolutely, congrats to Rob Vanstone. Any chance you get to talk rider football with the guy, he tells you things about players that you wouldn't even remember, and he's got stats and stories lined up about these guys. Like he's forgotten more about rider football than anyone on the planet knows right now. It's it's insane what he can pull up. Because he was the one that, what was the stat that I heard at the end of the preseason game? Oh, yeah, it was the, the first time the Riders had won a preseason game in Winnipeg since 1985, I think it was. And nobody on the roster was alive the last time that happened. And he pulled that out like that. Just just because like the guy just knows knows sports and he's a great human being on top of it full respect to the guy and he deserves every award he gets and more you want a fun conversation about him pulling random stats out talk to him about stampede wrestling <laughs> that is a fun conversation our show is not long enough to accommodate rob Bandstone and stampede wrestling together <laughs> no. i can promise you that <laughs> uh so again congrats rob um we'll see you at the game next week uh that's the opening kickoff presented by kathy festion of royal LePage regina realty um before we get to our churchill brewing company odds and end zones a uh, few spots left for the banjo bowl we saw it in the preseason the riders can go to winnipeg and win they're going to do that again in september so you want to go there with us and and a bus full of crazy rider fans to cheer them on let us know shoot us a message facebook Instagram. Do we, do we still do Instagram? I don't think so. Um, um, Facebook and Twitter. Did we ever do? Did we ever do Instagram? It was no, up there. I did for a little bit. I think Amy did it mostly. Um, <laughs> do we have TikTok? Do, does Steve do any dances I'm not aware of? Well, Nobody would want to see me dance. That would cost us followers every time. I think he puts that on his OnlyFans. Oh, um, yeah, his OnlyFans. <laughs> but only a handful of uh, spots on the Banjo Bowl bus trip are left so let us know uh we gotta have numbers in pretty soon here so um if you want in it's a great price just shoot us a message either one of us individually or the piffles podcast accounts on twitter or facebook and we'll be more than happy to uh to talk to you about that um getting to the churchill brewing company odds and end zones a couple names that you guys uh, already threw out here um that we're going to talk about from other teams just based off cuts Noah Zer, cut from the Lions, offensive lineman. Derek Dennis, probably the biggest uh, name cut from uh, Stampeders. Um, out of all the teams, probably the biggest uh, training camp cut. Hey, he mad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's also taking a very... Um, I'm sure he's enjoying tonight's game. I am certain. About watching, yeah, Calgary struggle right now. He's got um, the biggest tub, tub of popcorn, like just, just, just watching it right now. But we were talking about the Riders O-line, and if they just have to hold on for two weeks, right, to, until Colin Kelly's back. Well, what if the tackles are absolutely awful this week? Do you all of a sudden maybe panic if you're Jeremy O'Day and not give him a second game and call up Derek Dennis? I think if Blake's injury is bad as it could be rumored and you're having trouble at tackle, you are definitely finding out what that price tag is before someone else does. Derek Dennis is still he, he should have been the West nominee for offensive uh, uh, lineman of the year last year, and hell, I th say he's probably one of the best in the CFL. I don't think he's fallen off that much, so I think you make that phone call. You find you find out what he's worth anyway. You find out what the asking is. I'd be genuinely surprised if that phone call hasn't already been made even just to uh, to kick the tires and see where the value is at and see if you can make it make it fit they'd be they'd be crazy not to to be honest with you it's he's a guy that's got that's proven talent 
at a position that we still don't know for sure that we're set at. You know, we've got a fairly deep roster across the board. It's the O-line that we just don't know. Preseason, yeah, they looked fine. But as soon as those blitzes and, and things start coming, how do they hold up? You know, <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked if things really go poorly in the first half in Edmonton if uh, if Jeremy O'Day makes that call at halftime going, hey, how quick can you get here? We'll, uh, we'll have you on the roster on Monday. Like, it's it, it would be a, a crazy decision not to. Now, to address the Philip Blake injury, um, Craig Dickinson said it was a pec strain. We've heard now how accurate this is. We're not entirely sure. We've heard it's a torn pec. And if it's torn pec for Philip Blake, he's done for the year, um, which would be absolute worst case scenario. So hopefully, uh, I'm assuming they're probably going to have MRIs and all that stuff done and, and whatnot. And we find out that maybe it's only a six game or whatever injury. So hopefully it is just a strain. And Philip Blake uh, can still be that versatile guy that the Riders need on the offensive line. But if it's a torn pack, I don't know. All right, so we'll go from the offensive line here, maybe to a little bit of defensive line um, beefs. We talked about getting Derek Dennis earlier, getting the popcorn ready, watching the the Stamps lose here in the first game. Uh, Jonathan Kongbo getting traded. Um, to Hamilton calls out the BC Lions. Um, apparently, he's not a cultural fit, and that whole thing happened on Twitter. Um, that was my favorite thing of the week. I think was was Kongbo versus the BC Lions. That thing got weird in a hurry. <laughs> my my favorite thing about that is they signed Kongbo and released Sean Lemon like a bad habit. And then traded him for the pick that they used to get Dane Evans. It was like it, it is such a weird thing. And then then Congo basically defended himself after Farhan said it was a cultural fit, basically saying a bunch of veterans didn't want to go work out. And then Keon Hatcher starts firing live rounds at him. It's <laughs> What a mess. I, I, I love the CFL when the drama doesn't involve the writers for once. Did you see the the shots fired at Keon Hatcher too? There were what? somebody insinuated that he's not usually um sober at practice from a marijuana standpoint. There there were some comments that he uh he was often high. That was that was one of those, it was clearly a burner account uh, of some sort because I saw a few of those replies from that purse from that account to Hatcher, um, alleging this a couple times. So I don't know if it's just somebody with a vendetta against him or if there is any truth to it. I have no idea, but it was really, really. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that was uh, maybe that was Jonathan Congo's. Uh, burner account who knows <laughs> to me that's when that's when it got weird because i mean players going at each other in public isn't that uncommon in the cfl you see it from time to time but to attack each other the way that they were you know the the whole locker room and not working out and then you know Keon hatcher jumping on as an active player that's a mistake in my mind and it just kept going and it was delightful to watch and the league needs more of that. It's drama is not always a bad thing. Give us more of it. Give us give us reasons to talk about this stuff. Because that was fantastic. But even like Brian Burnham like retweeted it with like a gif. Like other like other players were like kind of in the periphery watching this, and it's like if no one does anything, like the fans will like, eventually this will just die down. But it just kept on. Waiting. Yeah, it just. It, it was, there was fun. And there was players that were commenting before Kongbo said anything, saying, you know, he just came out of Winnipeg. There's no way there's a, a cultural fit situation. And then as soon as the, you know, Kongbo tweets, you see a few, there you goes. Like, it, it was just, it was nonstop. It was the ultimate snowball effect of, it just kept going and going, and every time you thought it was done, there was another tweet from somebody else br- like bringing it back up again. 
And the worst part, the thing that started off was the Farhan tweet. And it sucks that he got drug into it because Farhan's a very good reporter. So obviously someone told him it was cultural. So it just, yeah, it's kind of weird how it just snowballed from there. Um, TSN had their top 50 players of uh, 2023. And uh, what was really surprising to me, um, obviously for the riders, they only had three guys on the, on the list. Um, Trevor Harris, Anthony Lanier, and Larry Dean. Um, obviously, Sankey would have been on there if he was still uh, in the CFL here. Um, no Pete Robertson. That was the big surprise to me. Was no Pete. That's Robertson. a big one, yeah. That confused me. Like a few, the fact that Ottawa has five players in it just kind of makes me scratch my head. Then again, one guy came from the NFL last year, so they kind of gave him a pass, I guess. Uh, well, but, it's, but it's all structured though, because you can only have uh, you can, for you because they have media vote on this, and you can only vote for one quarterback, and you can only vote for like two running backs, and you have to have five uh, O line and five D line or whatever it is, uh, and you only vote for forty players, and then they take they tabulate the top fifty from which, there, which is fine. But I, I understand you're you're grading a guy on was here at one point and then is back, but you're basically grading on potential at that point. Like I, I just, it just makes no sense to me. Um, I, I laugh a bunch of people freaking out about there was no, uh, Sean Lemon, God bless, uh, name of my mouth. Um, but like people were like, where's Sean Lemon? Well, he, unfortunately he couldn't be on the list cause he's technically not on a team. And the fact that no one signed him yet, believe me, I've got my beefs with Sean Lemon, but why is he not on a team yet? But the top 50 every year is weird. Uh, there's a lot of people that are higher than they should be and a lot of people that aren't on the list. And Robertson definitely should have been on the list compared to some of the, especially some of the ones in the later rounds, how he, how he didn't make it at all just blows my mind. The fact that Keon Schaefer, Baker, and Pete Robertson didn't make this list is an absolute joke. I don't know that there's a more underrated player in the CFL right now than Schaefer Baker. Mm-hmm. Like he was our lone bright spot last year. He was the only reason a lot of people kept watching football games because he kept doing things and he's constantly in TSN highlight packages. And yet this comes around and he's forgotten. It's like people just watched the preseason games and went, okay, I'm going to pick that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy. And with Schaefer Baker being out for, you know, however many weeks to start the season, that shouldn't change the fact that he's still a top 50 player in this league. But the thing about... I would put also, him in the top 30. But what would ha- what probably also hurt any rider players is how bad they did last year. Like, everyone just remembers the riders were very bad. Ottawa and was worse. And, they had Ottawa, worse. and that's my point. Ottawa was worse. But somehow the riders get absolutely just, like, uh, paintbrushed with it. And yet Ottawa's got five players. And they overspent on the cap and they still lost. Like they <laughs> legit have 1.25 players per wins they had last year. They have more players on the top 50 than they had wins. How does that make sense? Um, I wonder why Ottawa, Ottawa fans hate me. Uh, two more things before we look at this uh, game coming up against the Elks. Uh, speaking of the Elks, uh, Chris Jones uh, read mean tweets and they put uh, put a video out to that. I like the idea in theory. I really, really do, because if there's anything I want to see, it's Chris Jones reading the real mean tweets that he does get. And I want to see him react to those because I know the guy clearly doesn't care what fans think. Um, but if you have him sitting down reading those and then reacting to it, that could be just absolute social media gold. Um I want to see his reaction to Deb calling me a dick whistle. Yeah. <laughs> Coach <laughs> dick whistle. Um, but uh, it was super, super, very, very ultra PG tweets that they had. Like, hey, are you going to win a, ga- a home game this decade? Okay. That's not really a mean tweet. Like, okay. On that scene, there was a bunch of people complaining about the Elks not w- be able to win at home. But give me some real, but I like the idea, and I like that 
teams are actually doing this, uh, this kind of stuff. If you look at the content around the league, I know you have to kind of look for it. I wish there was one central place where you could find this. Like I wish the, the CFL website would be that place, but they're not. Uh, but I wish there was one central place that we'd have all this kind of content. Um, because the teams on their own level are doing a fantastic job this year. There obviously was a push from the league to teams saying, get content out there, make guys stars. Chris Jones is a villain, but show him in like having fun. Like that's the kind of stuff that people need to see. And we're starting to see that. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'm nitpicking about the, the mean tweets thing. Um, but this is the stuff I like to see. I want to see more of it. And I hope that the league uh, and the teams continue to do this throughout the year, because a lot of this stuff happens preseason and before the season. And then once the season starts, it's all down to business, right? If they can keep this up through the season, that's a big time win for me. I hope you're right because there definitely does seem to be a concerted effort this year to step up on all aspects, even like, and this is me being a graphics nerd, all the Photoshop stuff this year that every team is doing is a lot better. Like they're actually putting effort in every little thing they do. And they're doing TikToks that are apparently below my age range, which is great. I'm, I'm happy for them. I'm no longer with it. I get it. But, hey, they're trying something. And I, I get that apparently we're, we're negative all the time and we, we all we do is just crap on anything the league does. But, hey, they're trying something. So I'm happy about this. You knew there had to have been a concerted effort from the league the moment the riders got involved and started to, to spend money on marketing. To me, that's the moment I went, oh, maybe this call did come from above. Because we've seen over the last few years, the team has, like, avoided it seems like anything that would resemble fun and they jumped in on this it's it's been great to see i hope that they do delve into these mean tweets from chris jones a whole lot more because uh, you know what is as much of a villain as he is chris jones has a ton of personality and they need to bring that out let them have some fun with these but get some of the, the the worst ones get some of the real mean tweets and have a have fun with them. That's all they need to do. Okay, Chris, you said the, the magic word villain. That segues into the very next thing I have for you guys. <laughs> TSN did this, and it's fantastic. Okay, so AI is the big thing, and telling AI to do whatever, and it comes up with with whatever. Somebody actually had a, a Toronto Blue Jays, uh, vi like that video, video is like mind numbing. I love it, and he told. To, told the AI to have kids eating hot dogs and it just it's scary like it's it's a it's another that world video that to let's wild. go blue jays is just <laughs> like it it starts off like okay whatever it's not great then it just turns in like full horror movie it's like it what weird. is going on that video is precisely where nightmares come from that was the most terrifying thing I think I've ever seen on the internet so um, yikes now. Have you For seen now. what TSN did uh, with <laughs> AI? Uh, TSN posted this on their Facebook. I shared it to the Pickles Podcast, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, TSN did AI movie villains for all nine CFL teams, um, and like, there's some of the some of it done with okay. like the Stampeders and the. Oh, I, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Like, yeah, okay. you got, like you, the Thai Cats. Like, okay, you, yes. You got you got I mean Captain Highliner for the Argos. You got a bunch of horses. You got, like, a very bad tiger tattoo for the tiger cats. Okay. The, the wizard lion. That's that's an entertaining one. On 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 fire. He's on fire. And then for some the reason, the blue bombers. Yeah, yeah. The, the Ottawa guy is definitely, he was in the convoy. You could tell. Like, he's he's a horn honker. <laughs> um, but you get but how, how, did, how, did we, how did we get, like, fat chipmunk? The Saskatchewan <laughs> Rough Riders one. You have to look at, you guys have to see this. It's, it's a big giant it's, it's not even a gopher it's a chipmunk looks like he's on meth um remember when when gainer they got the wrong rodent they got the, the wrong rodent when gainer came out in was it 2019 and everybody was freaking out because they're like ah it's gainer on drugs uh well that's exactly what this thing is um and i love it it's it's that's a villain to me like that thing would fs up okay like they would mess things up in a movie and this was the best thing and i love this thing so much so tsn i know i was crapping on you guys last week and 
every other single week since the season ended last year about your lack of CFL stuff, but this was just perfect. Uh, so definitely <laughs> give, give that a check. Uh, check that out. It's just great. So go to Piffle's podcast. We'll, we'll you'll see it there. And also um, watch that Blue Jays video when you have some time. Yeah. <laughs> just night, just night, for the night, nightmare night, fuel. Night, night, nightmare fuel. Complete nightmare fuel. And there's a challenge right there to CFL teams and uh, uh, the riders as well to in-game do something with AI and show it up on the big screen and just make it weird, but have fun with it and own it. And just let's just have fun here, guys. So that's my challenge to teams. Do that. Do it in stadium and and just have fun with it. So I hope they do you know that. The one, the one thing I find really weird about AI when you do some of these computer-generated videos and images, they have this constant need to add additional appendages. Like there's extra fingers or there's extra arms or there's extra legs or there's arms growing out of stomachs. It's the weirdest thing. And it, it, it doesn't take long. Like if you ask for a dozen pictures of whatever, at least half of them will have extra limbs. 100% of the time. It's insane. And that Blue Jays video was a perfect example because as it got farther into the video, there were like arms coming out of arms coming out of foreheads. It was just... AI is delightful and terrifying. So splurge on that, CFL. Let's, let's have some fun with that. Um, riders open the season... Uh, against the Elks this Sunday at 5 p.m. in Edmonton for a guaranteed win night, at least the first of Edmonton's guaranteed win nights. Um, on paper, looking at these teams, the Riders should win this game. You look at the starters, the Riders have the better team on paper. It's the second year of a Chris Jones rebuild, and we know how that is here. Uh, he actually got to got the Riders to within a play of the Grey Cup in his second year. I don't think the Elks will be that good this year. But you saw with that Riders team, they started out slow in 2017, and then they got better and better and better. I think that's what's going to happen with Edmonton this year. They're going to start out really slow, and then they're going to start building once they finally find their guys. They're, you know, the core is, is there. They start gelling, and they can start building on something. But with this, so with this game, the Riders should win it. Do you guys see this as a trap game? Because I sure do. Game ones in a season are never trap games. Like if it was late in the season, I would go definite trap game. Like the game last year, trap game. Riders should have won that game. And they blew it. This one, I don't think it's a trap game. It's it's game one. If you don't come out of the doors blazing on game one, it doesn't matter if you're better on paper. There's 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 nothing there. There's no record. So this can't be a trap game, game one. Given how the losing streak we had to end last season and the turnover that we've had and the coaching changes we've had and everything that's gone on, I don't see anybody going into that locker room thinking we're guaranteed to win this game. We are, we are, this is our game. They're going to come out battling. I don't see it. I don't see them coming into this one overconfident. It's week one. You know, they're still in every power ranking, but ours, they're, you know, fifth or lower. They're 10 to one to win the gray cup in a nine team league. There, there is a lot of hype, but lowered expectations. You know, I don't see this as a trap game, especially when you, when you're going up against a team that has decided to open their season with a guaranteed win night. If anything, that's bulletin board material for the other team. That's not gonna. That's not gonna get the riders coming in confident. That's gonna get the riders going. Oh, that's where you are. We got this, right? Like it's to me that doesn't that doesn't scream trap. Nothing about this game seems like a trap game. And if it, if it does happen that way, I'm terrified for the rest of the year. <laughs> I just feel like I've been a fan of this team for too long that I should know better about games like this where they should win and then they just lay an egg. But the difference is is to me it's Trevor Harris. Uh, for the first time in a long time, the Riders have a quarterback, basically since Darian Durant, that I feel um, uh, taking it seriously isn't the right way to say it, but I think Trevor Harris takes things a lot more seriously than other quarterbacks. Um, to me, he's the second best quarterback in the league. 
uh, right now. And that's a benefit to the riders here. And I think they're going to be, I think, I think they'll be prepared. Maybe that's, maybe that's a better way to look at it. It's that he'll have the team better prepared than some of the other quarterbacks might have options might have been. And this is not a shot at any other quarterback in the league. Trevor Harris is a pro's pro. Like he, the guy trains nonstop. Like you saw videos of him last year when he was still with the Elks. Pulling a fire truck. Well, yeah. Well, the little one, but yeah. But, you know, like he. <laughs> Let's see you pull a fire truck, even a little one. Yeah, okay. But <laughs> no, like, like he comes in, like he talks the talk and walks the walk. Um, so I think it's going to be a different mindset than anything else. And he, he leads by example. And I think it's, I'm sure it's going to be a very good uh, game for the riders this weekend. I'm really curious to see how council and Lofton do at tackle um, injury replacement, Adam Corsack, uh, the uh, global the Aussie punter. He's getting his chance uh, with uh, the injury to uh, Kari Vedvik. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing him play. Um, but I'm really looking forward to seeing the defense because last time these two teams played Taylor Cornelius ran wild, like Hulkamania back in the eighties, brother. Uh, so I want to know, Riders defense, Steve's already shaking his head because he knows it's coming up. Riders defense, I want to know what you're gonna do um, to Brother. stop Taylor Taylor Cornelius. Um, do you guys think that there's gonna be a focus, maybe more from the linebackers, uh, possibly, uh, to have a major focus on keeping Cornelius in the pocket instead of letting him, you know, run like a gazelle like he did back last year uh, against the Riders. Wouldn't it be elk? Would it be an elk? Uh, if we're going to you know, yeah, pick, yes. pick a horned animal, pick an elk. <laughs> All right, run. Um, I've never seen an elk run. But it, well, it's like a deer, except with just. Maybe go against Vernon Adams and the Lions. You say he's going to run like a panther. Like it's right there, Alex. Come on, come on, come on, come on, dude. Um, it's but in the, it, it, okay. In the honor of Shiki Baby, uh, the Riders linebackers are going to humble uh, T- Taylor Cornelius. Um, I've got no qualms about this year's defense like the front seven the front seven, health the entire defense um i understand last year yeah cornelius basically pull a rabbit out of a hat i don't have that problem this year i don't think um i'm very confident in this defense against uh, taylor cornelius led offense Chase Ford scares me more than taylor still... cornelius does Last year, Cornelius was was still a bit of an unknown in this league. He wasn't – you didn't know what you were going to get with him. He he wasn't – he's not a top-tier passer. He's got a decent running game, and that's what you're going to get out of him. I don't think the Riders came in prepared against him to end the season last year, and I don't think they're going to make that mistake twice. There, there's going to be a contained package against him. They're going to keep him in the pocket, make him throw the ball. If you can force Taylor Cornelius to throw the ball against you, you're already winning. I can't wait to see the uh, Chris Trevler. I mean, Shea Patterson package that the the Rodgers are gonna have. <laughs> Which finger is that you giving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're that's number one. That's the you're one. number one. You're that was, number that was one. the one finger salute. Uh, but honestly, though, I am looking forward to seeing what they actually do with Shea Patterson and and how often they bring in that package. Um, Kelly Jeffrey and his offense. We're gonna get our first real look at it. Um, it looked good in the in the preseason. Um, even though that was a vanilla offense. So we'll start to see some wrinkles and everything get thrown in this week. And I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, I think there's a lot of potential for the Swaggers team this year. Um, I think there'll be ups and downs. Um, there will be growing pains, but I think the potential is there for them to to make a pretty decent run uh, at the playoffs and into the playoffs this year. Um, one more thing what before you- we go... If you look at the speaking of potential, you look at the Riders' season to start the year. They start the year with six straight Western games. They play Edmonton twice, Winnipeg, BC, Calgary. Like they, there is a tough schedule to open the year. We're gonna find out real quick where they are. But if they don't come out of the gate at least ready to go, they could find themselves on the outside looking in, but with a potentially easier schedule to close out the season. So there's there's some some good and bad to how they start it. 
especially with that that tough schedule to come out of the gate. All right. With that said, we have our uh, CFL pick them to do. We're going to go by spread. Um, obviously, we're doing this as it's the third quarter of the BC Calgary game uh, is when we're recording this okay, right does, now. Does uh, B, does uh, is Calgary still winning according to CFL.ca? Uh, well, no, the BC Lions is twenty two six. Twenty two six. Yeah. So so they're up to date with uh, seven and a half minutes left in the fourth. Um, I was Calgary, Calgary was... favored. I I always had BC winning this in the world. Four. They Calgary were favored was favored by four. I always had BC winning this one outright. Yeah, so did I. I think I'm not sold on Jake Mayer as the guy. Um, I think he's just another average quarterback, um, and they're going to find that out. He was, he had a very tough first half, very tough. He had a couple balls that should have been intercepted that weren't. Um, I was told, okay, so how, how many years in a row have I predicted the Calgary Stampeders were finally going to take a step back? How many uh, years have we been doing this show? Okay, good point. That, that many. <laughs> that many. I was told by players signed by the team that Calgary was taking a step back this year. We actually might be seeing it. So I don't want to get too excited early in the season, but it might finally be happening. Uh, spoiler you know what? alert. Watching. Oh. Sorry, spoiler alert. I had them as contenders in my uh, contenders versus pre- pretenders uh, article. Uh, next week, they're definitely not going to be in the pretenders list. I'm pretty sure I had them what fourth in my uh, in my picks, and you guys all had them above that. I had them fourth. Yeah, yeah, I think I had them fourth. No, I had them third. I think I had BC fourth, but then I had BC above them in the power ranking, so I was hedging my bets. I think. But watching this game with Calgary right now, as we're recording, the one thing that stands out to me with Jake Mayer, he has happy feedback there, and he's getting he's getting no time at all. Like so, they should have an offensive tackle. Yeah, they they may want to you know pick up the phone and call see if there's any you know decent offensive tackles on the market because he's he's not comfortable back there in the slightest. Can he turn left? <laughs> I, I'm all for more blind turnouts from quarterbacks that aren't ours. Oh, you're gonna wait till Saturday to see that. Um. Second game this week, Friday, Hamilton at Winnipeg. A lot of people obviously calling that again as the uh, Grey Cup matchup. Winnipeg's favored by four and a half at home. What do you guys got? I took... I'm going to go Hamilton on this one. I got Winnipeg, but I got Hamilton covering. I think it's going to be a field goal game. Steve, do you have Hamilton got... winning outright? I have Hamilton winning outright. I think they come out of the gate. They've got all of the, all that pressure on them. Great cup at home. You know, some teams handle that well. The riders do not. I I think they, uh, I think they come out on fire. And I feel like Winnipeg, while still the team to beat in the West and in the league, they're a year older. They're, they're getting older every, I mean, everybody gets older every year, but that they're not, their team as a whole is not getting younger. There, this is the year we start to see a little bit of a decline, and I think it continues. This is going to come down to a Sergio Castillo field goal. <laughs> I know it. That's the way it is. It, it's going to be the Bombers, and all the Bomber fans are going to see this is what we needed to win. Uh, looks like Calgary just got touched on, by the way. Um, but, yeah, like it's, it, it's going to be a Hamilton cover, but it's going to be a Winnipeg win. I think Winnipeg covers, they win by five or more. Um, Ottawa at Montreal, Montreal favored by one and a half. And this is going to be a battle of uh, Cody Fajardo getting his first start with the Montreal Alouettes. And it's going to be Nick Arbuckle for the Ottawa Red Blacks as Jeremiah Mazzoli still not ready to go. I, I can't wait till Fajardo like squeaks out a victory and I get to hear for like 24 hours about how the riders never should let him go. Um, if they yeah, lose, I, Montreal, we'll still hear about how the riders should have let him go. No, not let him go. Not sorry, the, sorry him the riders go. should have not let him go. That's what I meant. I, Montreal I could Montreal. lose by double digits and rider fans are still going to be calling for Fajardo to come back. There's that whole I, loyalty thing again. I think Montreal is going to cover. 
Um, I don't think it's going to be a blow by any means. Ottawa is still Ottawa. They're terrible. Uh, <laughs> yes. That's yeah. Montreal cover. They won't blow them out, but they'll, they'll beat them for sure. Um, I I've got Montreal by double digits. And the final game of the week, Sunday, it's the Riders at Elks. We talked about this already, but the Riders are favored by two. Do they cover? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think we're all in agreement there. With the over-under set at 45 and a half, I have this as an easy over just based on what the Riders did in the preseason. They were scoring almost at will in the the preseason. Um, I know that's with multiple quarterbacks against backups, but – they, they showed me that this offense is going to be one that's going to put up 28 points a game kind of thing. Or but more. here's the thing. I don't, I don't know if the Elks will put up that many points. I legit don't know. Unless the Riders get to 30 by themselves, I don't see the Elks putting up more than 15. I, I don't know if it's, a, I don't know if it's an easy over. I don't think it's an easy over. It's an easy easy over from one side of the field, <laughs> but I agree with you. I don't I don't know if Edmonton has the firepower to uh, to handle their half of that over under. I'd still I'd still go over, but I don't think it's a bet your house on it type uh, type of wager. Oh, if you're betting, don't bet your house on anything. That's just bet everything <laughs> else. Bet your car. Don't bet your house. <laughs> Before we go, can I bring up one thing that just kind of came out today? Please do. The Riders signed to the practice roster three Regina Thunder players. They've never had three Thunder players on their practice roster. Defensive um, tackle Max Parkinson, uh, receiver Isaiah Woodley, and uh, offensive lineman Riley Schick. Schick, Schick I knew about, obviously, because I'm with the Thunder. Um, the Parkinson thing is a, is a funny one because – he was the guy at the Global Combine that blew the uh, bench press numbers out of the water. This dude is solid. I cannot wait to see him in the CJFL this year. And Woodley, I got to say, Woodley's been with the Thunder for the last two years. He's out of Boston. And he kind of reminds me of Dressler. He's small, but fast and great hands and can run routes. Um, well, he's only I'm, what, 5'8"? Yeah, he's, he's, uh, right? he's a little guy. But... F- Fast, like he's the uh, two years ago when they beat the Hilltops in the uh, PFC final. Uh, he's the reason why. Like he he caught a little out, juked three guys out of their shoes, and was gone for like twenty yards to the, the end zone. So, um, I'm I'm happy for Woodley. Like I did not see this coming. Uh, Schick, I knew he he got a free pass into the training camp, and this. Parkinson, the riders obviously had him on the radar after the global combine. So um, it's awesome to see. Like, it, it's good when you see CJFL guys uh, making it like this. Well, and you look, that's what happened. Look at Dan Clark and uh, Logan Furland on the offensive line. They were Regina Thunder guys getting their chance. Javon Katoy the... with the uh, BC Lions. He's a CJFL yep. player, too. Uh, Andrew Harris. <laughs> Just in, in well, terms of the territory. Just in terms of the territorial things, right? Like that's that's why it's important. Um, and I I love these programs that the league has. Um, just to have local guys that don't count against your practice roster spots, that don't count against any any kind of numbers, uh, but get them the experience. And then all of a sudden you have a guy like Dan Clark, who's an anchor of the team for a decade. You have a guy like Logan Furland, who's projected to be the next anchor of the team for a decade, right? Like, I mean. This is great stuff. But but then you also got the guys that start in junior and work on their game, get into the CIS, and then make teams after. You look at uh, Schmeckel that made the Bombers roster, former Regina Thunder player. The Apollon yep. twins both came through the Thunder program. Uh, one's in, I think, actually, they both might be in Edmonton right now. But, yep. like, the CGFL has great football, and it just kind of – sucks it's kind of on the back burner no one ever talks about it well we'll make sure we change that we'll talk uh some thunder and some hilltops throughout the year uh once the cjfl seasons kick off and the cfl's kicking off so 
Um, I kind of want to finish watching this game here, so I'm going to kick you guys out. Uh, <laughs> that's going to do it for this Yeah, no, week I got to the- edit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's going to do it for this week of the Piffles Podcast. Um, of course, Piffles Podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks always goes out to Kathy Festion of Roy LePage Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support making this show possible. Uh, make sure you check out uh, pifflespodcast.com throughout the week. Lots of good stuff going up there all the time. Um, luckily for you guys listening at home or wherever you listen, uh, I'm not going to be singing this time. This is Tyler Gilbert with Ghost Behind Your Mind.